We have two big questions in the NFL draft. How many HBCU players are going to be picked and who's going to be picked first? Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make a Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day you remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives oh i've never missed that way at south exclusives you can catch it on the bottom of the screen but if you're on the audio side of things don't forget the s on the end and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the locked on podcast network visit today at fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more Sean Woods is out of Southern. It feels like we have a lot of people getting fired, and Sean Woods is the latest, the men's basketball coach for Southern. Also, the wide receivers are the deepest position in the HBCU draft class, not the NFL draft class in general, but specifically when it comes to HBCUs. And we are kicking off our draft coverage today, and we're going to start by using the Draft HBCU Draft Guide. It's phenomenal. It's a comprehensive breakdown of the best HBCU prospects out there, and we're going to use it to answer two big-time questions. So the first question is, how many HBCU players are going to be drafted? And the way I was able to come up with this, it's not an exact science, but there is a science attached to it, is I use the book. And in the book, they have projections. And they basically say where they think a player will land. And there's multiple slots. They kind of go, I think, three or four projections. So it's a range more so than a they're going to be here. But I'm taking the ceiling. I'm taking the highest projection that they have. So for example... All of the players that I'm going to name have day two or day three attached to them. And when it has day two, day three, they mean day two or day three of the NFL draft. There's certain players who just have undrafted free agent as their highest. Some have USFL, XFL as their highest. The 10 players, yes, there's going to, need to be there's going to be 10 players that I name. They all have day two to day three on them. Here's the thing, though. We have to remember this. This is not draft HBCU saying that 10 players are going to get drafted. This is essentially them saying these are 10 draft-worthy players. These are 10 players who I think at their peak, if they're valued as high as possible, will be valued with a draft pick. So it might be four of these guys who get selected. might be 10. might be guys who aren't even on this list that get selected, right? So the players who are named are Jadakiss Bonds, Shaq Davis, Dallas Daniels, Kamari Averett, Mark Evans, Isaiah Land, Andrew Farmer, Keyshawn Moore, Aubrey Miller, and Isaiah Bolden. This is a compilation of thoughts, just to be clear. Coach G, Coach Gerald, right? Friend of the show, Gerald Huggins. Depending on, you might just think, who's G? That's, that's G. Sometimes I call him Gerald. Sometimes I call him G. Sometimes I call him Coach Huggins. But it's all the same person, I promise you. Right? Um... He's not the only person that draft HBCU. He's the guy we see the most frequently on this show, but he's not the only one. So it's a compilation of thoughts to where, well, G might be high on somebody. 
Malik, another guy in there, he might be a little bit lower, right? Look at Jadakiss Bonds. They might think, oh, well, Jadakiss Bonds is for sure, uh, for sure a day two. Somebody be like, nah, that, he's a day three. Somebody, somebody might even be like, he's an undrafted free agent. So now you have to compile all these thoughts, and that's how you come up with this. The next question becomes, who's going to be first? Also, hold on. Xavier Smith is a guy I wish was on this list. I know somebody had to be high on him like I am. I think he deserves the draft pick. I would have had his ceiling as a day three player, me personally. But who's going to be first? Who's going to be the number one HBCU player drafted? There's three options. Isaiah Land. Uh, Arby Miller almost went to last year and said somebody, but Arby Miller and then Mark Evans. See, Last year, I thought Marquise Bell was going to be the first overall pick. And I'm back and forth on if I'm more confident or less confident when it comes to Isaiah Land. Because that's who my projection is. My prediction for the first overall pick is, is Isaiah Land. Now, a lot of that has to do with how I personally feel about Isaiah Land. But he has some size concerns. But he has really high output in 2021. So it, I go back and forth. I don't know which way I really want to do it. But... The comparison that they made, the the comp, the player comp that they made in the book is Tim Williams. And I like I like that because it puts him in a position where he should be the three, four outside linebacker to me. And then you also have Aubrey Miller, Aubrey Miller, who is a for sure linebacker, off ball linebacker standing at 6'2", 225. That's decent size. I know that 6'2", 225, maybe even about five, seven years ago. Is small for a linebacker, but you're seeing more linebackers around there, and he also has the frame to put on a little bit more weight. I He flies around good enough to where I think he can be a 225 linebacker. I think he has good instincts. I think he has a pretty good nose for the football, and those things can kind of quell some of the, the size concerns. And then lastly, you have Mark Evans. Mark Evans is a player who I don't know if they're going to put him at guard or keep him at tackle. At tackle? At Pine Bluff? Man, all swag, consistently. We know he can play tackle. We've seen him do it at the collegiate level. Now, when you play in these games, and that means like these Shrine Bowls, these NFLPA Bowls, these Senior Bowls, they typically put you in a position where they think you'll play. They want to put you in the best position to improve your stock. So, for example, if nobody's really talking about you as a tackle, we're going to put you as guard. I don't know if that's the case. They might just view him as a guard. I don't want to, but that's an extreme case of what typically will happen. Well, Evans played guard and he looked pretty good. So I don't know if they're going to go with his natural position or they're going to go with what seems like, I guess, where people think he'll be, where they where they think they'll slot him. It'll be an interesting one to watch. But those three players are all have a ceiling of day two or day three. So there's no distinction between the three. It's just three players who could be a third or a second. I'll say a second to a seventh round pick. Right. That's it. That's the top three. If there was one player who I thought was a sneaky guy to be in there as the first overall HBCU player, it would be Jadakiss Bonds out of Hampton, the wide receiver who highlights this class that I believe is the deepest. I'll explain his strength and then also why this class is so deep as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked on Podcast Network. They have everything. March Madness is already here. Returned last night. You got more games tonight. It's going to go into the weekend. This is action that you need to be checking out. And if you know what you're talking about, if you know what you think you know, 
then go ahead and put some money down, make some money on it. We have point spreads, you have player props, you have the NBA, it's not just March Madness, I know that's hot right now, but you also have the NBA. Who would have thought that the Warriors and, and Mavs would have went down the way that it went down? It was just crazy. But all of these things can be found on FanDuel, including the NFL futures. They have everything. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. First bet, no sweat is still around. So if you lose, you get $1,000 in free bets. You know where to go. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day for your second listen of the day. Make sure you're checking out Locked on College. Basketball is everything you need around the sport in one place, 30 minutes or less. And then also you can get on YouTube, you can get on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, whichever way you want to listen or watch, it doesn't matter, it's all there. Just go ahead and check them out. We already have answered two big time questions. How many HBCU players will get drafted at max? We're going big scale, right? Most, most optimistic view of it. And then also, who could be the first overall player? We have three selections for that. Enough of the questions, but here's an observation. The wide receivers are the deepest class in the HBCU draft. And I won't say HBCU draft, but the deepest position in the HBCU class in the draft. And the book backs that up. Right. There's more HBCU wide receivers than any other position in that book. And it's important to remember this isn't just, oh, these are the draft eligible players. It's also these are the best draft eligible players. Right. There's players in here who are not on the list, you know, and I talked to G on the way of making this. So I know what kind of went into selecting certain players and why certain players are here and some players aren't here. So I don't. I don't want you to think that it's just, oh, there's just a bunch of wide receivers coming out. No. I always said that 2022 was kind of the year of the running back in the HBCU seasons and playing football. But the draft in 2023, that's the year of the wide receiver. See, it's kind of funny to say that because a lot of people don't view this wide receiver class as strong college-wide. Because over the last couple of years, it was like, man, this was the greatest wide receiver class ever. This was the greatest wide receiver class ever. And I don't think it has that top level talent that people are looking for or maybe it's the middle but I really think that the HBCU wide receivers have a good mix of high level talent and then also depth so you're looking at a guy like Jada Kiss Bonds who I just said could be a sneaky look for first HBCU player drafted it wouldn't shock me I think he has the size I think he has the production I think he has the capabilities and skill set to warrant that you know, he stands tall. He's a deep threat. He can stretch the field. He has good hands. He uses his body well in the in the red zone and also just on deep balls, tracking and high pointing. He does everything really well. I like Jadakiss Bonds a lot. There's another player that I'm quite enamored with when it comes to just his, his scouting profile, and that's Xavier Smith. He's a player who I've talked about. You've heard me talk about him. I think he's going to be dangerous. I think if he lands in the right spot, this is dynamite. I think if he lands in the right spot, it wouldn't be shocking to see these, this be the best HBCU player to come out of this draft class. And for a guy who some people don't even know if is going to get drafted, I understand how that might be a, a tad bit hyperbolic, you know, but I just think his skill set is so dynamic. If he ended in somewhere like the Chiefs, 
or somewhere in a McVeigh Shanahan system, right? Shanahan McVeigh, Shanahan comes first. That's a that's a thing for me. But in a Shanahan McVeigh system where he can be a guy who's all around, I think Xavier Smith will be deadly. He has the production. Of course, of course he doesn't have he actually he has a very similar path as Jadakiss Bonds. All Miak wide receiver, all SWAC wide receiver. For Bonds, he was an all Big South wide receiver, all CAA wide receiver. So both of them have excelled in two conferences. The only thing that Xavier Smith does not have is size. That's it. But he is so dynamic to me. And those two are the best two for me. Those are my favorites. But then you have players like Shaq Davis, who's going to come in and his size, speed combination, I think will get him to a camp alone. I agree with the estimation that he'll be a draft pick at, as a ceiling. I do think he'll be a UDFA at the worst. You know, Dallas Daniels is somebody who I hear a lot of good things about, and I thought he had a pretty solid week of practice at the Shrine Bowl. So that's four wide receivers. You see it when I talk about the depth of this position. I'm talking about how many wide receivers were, in, were um, invited to some of the post-draft or pre-draft bowls. You had three of them. Bonds, Davis, Daniels, all of them invited. Most of any position at the HBCU landscape. I like this. I like these guys. And you have Xavier Smith. If you want to relegate Xavier Smith to fourth, mostly probably due to his size, or maybe that's just you have him fourth. If Xavier Smith is the fourth best wide receiver, the HBCU wide receiver class is pretty strong. I like it. High level talent, depth, players who can be drafted, undrafted, USFL to XFL players. They have everybody, man. I'll go through one more time just to explain how high profile they are. Mons, Davis, and Daniels were all invited to the East-West Shrine Bowl. Xavier Smith was the star of the HBCU Combine. He was the offensive star of the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And that makes up your top four. All four of these guys are relatively high profile players. And that's why I love this class, this position so much within this class. And as we continue with Locked on HBCU, we're going to explore Sean Woods' tenure at Southern because it's over. He's been fired. And I think a big reason was the hot start to this year, but the epic collapse to end it. Before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. And y'all know what I call it, the Swiss Army knife for protein bars. I've been trying to work out more. I've been trying to chain some days consistently together. That's the problem. But Built Bar was able to get me out there for day number one. And that was a run that I went on. I was feeling like, man, I needed a little extra fuel. So I took Built Bar for that. I could have taken it when I'm about to go lift. I could have taken it. I did it before my cardio. I could have taken it before I just wanted to just chill i could i could have ate a built bar before i hopped on the game because it's not just a protein bar it's basically like a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar is good for you while also being absolutely delicious go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote your favorite built bar and you're going to be entered because you're going to be able to win a free 12 month supply only one person one locked on listener will have the chance to win a free 12 month supply of the best variety of built bars that built has to offer And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day and making it all the way to segment two, segment three, excuse me. Thank you two times for that. And Sean Woods is no longer the Southern head men's basketball coach. And honestly, he was kind of doomed by a collapse this year. 
But that ain't the only reason he was fired. Not at all. Now, Southern came into this season with expectations. Southern was second place or predicted to be second place in the SWAC by their preseason poll. So you already think they're going to be good. Then they come out and it's kind of like confirmation bias where, all right, they are good. They, they knock off Texas Southern, who at the time, that was a high quality win. This is a midway through the year when we're questioning the Tigers. This is the first game of SWAC play where everybody feels like, oh, TSU is one of the squads to beat. Then you also beat Alcorn, one of the co-champions. And at that time was a pretty good team. You're looking at and ended up being a pretty good team. I'm just saying they were already that at the point. We already respected them. Then you also beat Grambling, who I had already coined by that time, the king or the class of HBCU basketball. Now, while you might have felt that was hyperbolic, that was an exaggeration, you might not have felt they had earned that title completely, there was no taking away from the fact that Grambling had won some pretty good out-of-conference games. They had a good start to the season, not just swag play, but to the season. So that's teams that all were regarded pretty highly. Texas Southern, Alcorn, already regarded highly coming into the season. Grambling had earned the right to be regarded highly. Matter of fact, that game, if I'm not mistaken, was played for first place. And Southern beat all of those guys. It felt great. It felt like this was the year. It felt like this was the year that Southern was going to be special. And it just wasn't. It felt like the year that Southern was going to make some real noise, and they didn't. And that's kind of not a pattern, but the idea of not really making noise is kind of constant. And you end up losing, or you go three and six in the month of February and March in the regular season, then you lose your first conference tournament game. That's an absolute collapse. You went from being first place to being fourth place. You were so good in January that you were able to build up enough of a cushion where you only fell to fourth place, right? Going three and six in the last nine games of the season typically drops you to lower than four, but you were one and you had a really good season. So it's cool. You have four. You have time to bounce back in the SWAC tournament. You're still scary. You're still that team, right? Like that, that didn't just go away. You were always that team. But you bounced in the first round, so you weren't really that squad. And now you kind of have to side-eye everything that's happened. It's like I told you, they they got rid of Sean Woods. Probably a big part of it had to do with the collapse at the end of this season. Three and six in the last nine games, three and seven if you include the tournament game. That's just unacceptable. But it's not as if Sean was just out here killing it before. He only won one tournament game in his five years as the Southern coach. You look at the first year he got there, squeaked into the tournament, no win. The second year, that's the season. That 2019-2020 season, that's the year for them. But unfortunately, we all know what happened in spring 2020. COVID knocked everything off his axis, and they ended up having to be done. In that season, Grambling was 13-5 in the conference, the best number under Sean Woods. They were the second seed in the conference, the highest seed under Sean Woods, and they had just won a tournament game. It was only a second year, but that was the first time that they had done that under Sean Woods. So you win a playoff game or a tournament game, you feel like you have some momentum, and then boom, everything is just cut off. Nothing more. Who knows how that season would have ended? But in hindsight, it feels like the pandemic occurring right when it did was more tragic for Southern than many other teams. And that's because Southern didn't have another year like that during the Sean Woods era. They just didn't. That was the highest, um, the best conference record, the highest seeding, the only time they won a playoff game. It was everything. That was the year. And now this year, you look like you're going to be special again. You start off real strong. You're the number one seed, and you absolutely crash and burn. 
So in hindsight, you had a special year, didn't get to see it through. Not even hindsight, just kind of looking briefly into the past. You have a special year and you're not able to see it through, not because it got cut off, but because you just weren't able to sustain it. That's a tough one, but it's a big reason on why Sean Woods got fired. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On College Basketball for everything you need around the sport in one place. And then also, do not forget, we're going to be back Monday. We're going to carry over and continue talking draft and spring games because we have our first spring games just next Saturday. No, yes, next Saturday, April 1st. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it. Until the next time that we hear each other family, take care, stay blessed, peace.